podcast where we discuss the issues and opportunities facing marketing, media and advertising with industry thought leaders and practitioners. I'm Anton Bushner and today I'm sitting down with Lyndon Deeth, Senior Project Officer at Women's Health Victoria and the Sequel Project Manager. Welcome, Lyndon. Thank you. Lovely to have you here and lovely to have a chat about this really, really important topic because we only met maybe a couple of months ago now mm-hmm. when you... Um, and your team came to us at Trinity P3 and just want a bit of a perspective on the advertising landscape. Yeah, you've done some great work for us. Well, it's really, really interesting. And, and the more we've delved into it, the more it's opened up more and more questions. So I thought this would be a great topic to, uh, to explore as a podcast and hopefully our listeners will uh, find it fascinating too. Yes, we find that. That's a common theme. <laughs> well, I'm a, I'm a guy who came into the ad industry in the late 80s. So I've seen a lot of ads, um, a lot mm. of advertising but what struck me is, you know, as change is starting and you're starting to get obviously a bit of a shift in some of the dials, I personally still feel we're, we're really at the tip of the iceberg. Some of the discussion is quite grey. Some of the discussion is, is aiming to be very locked down and, and trying to get really clear standards on, on advertising. But the more we do that, the more I feel we're just getting a little bit more out of control. So I'd love to hear more about the name Sequel and what you're doing with Sequel and Women's Health Victoria in helping change, I guess, attitudes in the advertising industry. But maybe you can tell us more about what are you doing and, and what do you stand for? Yes, yeah, well, I, I will do my best <laughs> to, to break it down. Well, Shekel is a project. It's, um, it's a movement. We're on a mission to raise awareness uh, to the, with the industry and with the public and empower people to take action in shaping how women are depicted in the stories we tell and consume. Sequel is unique, I think, in some efforts around this to that we work collaboratively with the advertising industry to make sure that women are represented um, more authentically, diverse, treated with respect in ads. And we're also working on gender equality within the advertising workplace itself. Um, we have an amazing reference group uh, that advise us. Mm-hmm. and provide guidance um, in, on our work, which we do research. We are working on some campaigns. We're doing training, awareness raising. So that's a big part of it. So yes, yeah, so we're guided by our reference group. And we have great representatives from Adland, from Clemenger's, OMD, Marmalade, Initiative, Venus Comms. And then we have the Shannon Company, and PESTA, and RMIT. And then work from... Uh, prevention of violence space from our watch and respect Victoria and even the city of Melbourne. So it's uh, mm. it's quite a diverse group that brings their uh, knowledge and insights and really helps to to guide this project forwards. Um, mm. Women's Health Victoria, for our part, obviously we sit outside the industry, so we bring a health promotion and feminist approach to gender equality, and that's our core business. And our partners know they can rely on us and. But being outsiders, we're aware that building trust with advertisers is a big part of this project and that work. And I'm, I'm really all about that, is, is yeah. uh, managing those relationships and, and building that trust because that, that's core to this, that we are working together. It's a big area, isn't it? I think there's a lot, there's a lot you mentioned there. So 
if I can pick on a couple of themes, the gender equality, I'll say debate, but I guess divide is probably the best way of saying it. Um, there's been so much written about it. Um, I know we don't want to talk about too much about specific ads, but if we, if we step back for a minute and go, yeah, let's look at some of the output in the in the industry. I can remember ads like Ultra Tune and the Rubber Girls from years ago, and that was still going as a campaign and has been to ad standards, has come backwards, forwards, and allowed and not allowed. Um, we've seen ads taken off TV of KFC, you know, the boy staring through the window at a girl adjusting her, her bra and her top and things. So, so there are still ads getting through. Um, but I guess for this discussion, if we, if we hone it down to how are these ads getting through and is it you know, that, that sort of misogynistic male culture that needs to be broken down? Is it the creative industry uh, not keeping up pace with where the world's going? Or are they trying to keep up, but it's just a question of what's PC and what's allowable? And creative has always been about pushing the boundaries. So in all this discussion, where, where do you think we should start in landing? Is it purely a sexist gender debate? Well, there's, there's a lot in that <laughs> to pick on those things. I mean, when we talk about ads getting through or not, I mean, advertising is self-regulated. There isn't a body that you have to approve an ad before it gets put out there. You know, TV might have a rating system for when particular ads might be able to be shared on content, um, the kind of product that they're they're putting out there or the kind of movie that, you know, it's a movie trailer. So there's oversight when it comes to TV ads around time placements and ratings, but we don't have that for ads that are put out, ads that are put out on the internet, ads that are put out on billboards and around. So it's up to the advertisers to, to make those decisions. And we have the code of ethics from the AANA, but then it comes to, you know, ads are only brought in to be, you know, adjudicated with ad standards if people have been made a complaint and if there's been yes. enough complaints that that's brought forward. So that's, that's the check and balance system. It's after the fact. Yeah. So that's so the balancing. So it's not really a matter of like sort of how do these get through? We have to go back into actually the people who are making the ads and the conversations and the process between the brands and and the creatives in the agency level and in and in media and and all the strategy that's being put together and the decisions that are being made. Yeah, and and you mentioned the research you're doing. So I think maybe part of this is getting uh, some specific examples of what you're finding in research because it can be an industry where people generalize and say oh well you know the majority seem to be doing a good thing but you've uncovered some really interesting research that when I started to look at that as well I went oh that's really interesting numbers can you share yeah, some so we 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 started there at research because we wanted to know what the health impacts um, that ads that I guess the easiest term to say was more sexist ads were having and uh, so we looked at that. And in looking at the research, we saw a link between sexist advertising and violence against women. So that's sort of a point mm-hmm. of difference. And, and making that connection, there's a lot of that in the, converse, um, the cultural conversation now, wanting to prevent violence against women, looking at yeah. the different ways that manifests in society. So we know that our research showed that every ad that shows women as sexualized and as objects on display, idealized, eroticized, domestic, um, generally living in the service of others are contributing to a culture, a cultural story that um, ties women's values to the pleasure of men. And some of us say, we call that the male gaze. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, the man's behind the camera looking and it, what he's looking at is done by and for men. So we can see that in advertising and we see that in, it can be really easy to see advertising even from five, 10 years ago, being that very strong, um, but we still see it today. That's still happening. And it's true that I, I had said that, you know, we don't always, not into naming and shaming ads, but the reason behind particular, you know, pulling it out is it's not just about one ad. It's the cumulative impact of all the ads and the 500 ads we see before breakfast. And what we see um, the impact on, on women, on men, on diverse people with that sort of cumulative sort of story that they're, that they're being told, that we're still seeing women that are, you know, heavily shown to be domestic in ads, um, in the kitchen on Christmas Day, shopping for the school supplies, or being sexy and seductive. So having these roles where they are, you know, the caregiver, or they are the sexual partner to, to the man, but sort of in that where they are in relation to someone else versus in and of themselves. And then, of course, they become invisible as they age. So just picking up on that, it, it, there's a lot in that as well. <laughs> it's a topic that could go, uh, go in a lot of different directions. But I think really important point you mentioned was that male gaze and, and the male perspective. Um, because your research, from what I read, uncovered um, there's a majority of, of men in the workplace. Um, there's inequality there yeah. in the workplace, whilst that's another topic that's being, I guess, challenged and, and starting to get broken down. Absolutely. Um, but the perspective of, of males, I guess, whether they're shooting or they're coming up with the idea um, that's saying, well, this is acceptable. Um, it seems to me, as a male uh, in the industry, looking at it going, how do we start to break down that thinking? Does it need stronger men to come out and start to go, actually, this is unacceptable. I know in other industries, you know, men have come out and gone, come on, this is not, not the way we should be treating anybody, let alone a woman or let alone a minority group or whatever it may be. Is your research powerful. delved into that? Um, it's, it's powerful and effective when, when men come out and call things out. We know that. But also women, I think when it comes to where we know our, you know, our research shows that it's not just men who might come up with these creative concepts. That yes, there are more men who are creative directors than there are women who are creative directors in advertising. Mm. But the women who are creative directors or those creative teams where there are women may still be coming up with these concepts because it is an internalized narrative. They're easy mm. stereotypes. They're sort of old tropes, easy connections. So it's actually not as simple as just like men do this and women don't. Women can have a male gaze too. Like that's, mm. yeah. it's, it's not unfortunately, as, as black and white, it's just a matter of put more women in the room. We actually need to bring more perspectives in the room. And men can bring a different perspective and they can't change, you know, people with disabilities and people with different cultural backgrounds and experiences in life who, you know, if your advertising wants to be authentic to the consumer, to bring in those different ideas. But it doesn't, you know, have to be that it's only called out by men or yeah. by women. Yeah, I think that's, that's really interesting because the... Um... That idea of well, we have stereotypes that you know consumers latch onto. That's a whole area that needs to break down, doesn't it? Because advertising does shape culture, like you talked about. In some ways, it can lead to culture, but what I think you're saying there is, in some ways, it's actually behind the cultural shift and saying we'll just resort to some of these stereotypes to get our point across because more Australians will identify with it. 
that is true, but it's, I wouldn't, I just, I guess we get, we don't want to paint everyone with a broad stroke. I think we see some really innovative and great ads coming out there that are challenging gender stereotypes that mm-hmm. are bucking the trend and they're getting a lot of press and they're winning awards and they are sort of at that forefront and where there's ads that are, might be relying on old tropes and stereotypes and they're not at the cutting edge of that time. Yeah. Or inherently sexist. I mean, that's be. But call a spade a spade, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, they absolutely can be. Yeah, that's interesting. And then uh, I wonder whether your research, did it delve into anything around what is acceptable? Like what, what do women want either for themselves and maybe men in viewing this equality? Did, did any of the research shine a light on that? Yeah, I think we, we're looking at women consumers want products that will work for them and that the advertising is more reflective of them. So we do know that consumers are, they'll be more likely to buy the product. They'll be an uptake in, in, in purchasing power if they feel uh, connected to the representation in the ad. Mm-hmm. So that might be a diversity of bodies, just not that sort of hyper-sexualized, glossed over sort of perfect image. People don't connect to that. And we're seeing an increase of people being more aware of when they are offered, when they're offered something different, the reaction is really strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's really good. And, I, and we've seen topics pop up on words like femvertising and sneaky sexism. Um, yeah, so there's, I think that's one thing, one thing that we've looked at and, and that there are, we're not the only ones that are looking at this. There are quite a few people who are sort of recognizing that ads are changing and sometimes we have really great ads that are breaking down gender stereotypes and showing, you know, particular women in diverse roles and not using old tropes and old stereotypes. And they're really great. But then there are some ads that may appear to be doing that, but they're still using the same old language where we have ads that are so the old, the old way of doing ads, which is still happening today, is telling women what they need to do to be better. Mm-hmm. So that's how to look, if it's how to look better for generally your man. So it's kind of very, you know, straight hetero context to be, you know, blemish free and how to have silkier and shinier hair and all these things to make yourself more beautiful, more presentable, better in society from a very superficial standpoint. Yeah, it's very much about appearance and outer. Yeah, about appearance or how to make your home better, all these things. But it's also that, you know, you need to be better. And we're seeing that advertising, the analysis of ads there that are taking on sort of having a feminist sort of approach. They appear on the surface, very sort of on that female empowerment, but they're still actually at the heart of it, just telling women what to do. So it may be an activewear brand that is telling a woman that she can be anything and do anything. She just has to have courage and conviction and, you know, and have strength, but you're still treating the woman as maybe vulnerable, not there, not arrived. And the mm-hmm. difference is when, and where it's really powerful is when we compare it to the ads that are done for men, which are more about how the product is going to work for them, how it's going to wick away sweat, how it's going to be comfortable, how they can lift or run in it. And it's actually going to function. Yeah. And the product for women is how it's going to make them better. So when you step back and you take away the big inspirational music, we see that kind of disconnect and how men are being sold sort of a male version of the product and how it's going to work for their life and how women are being sold a product that's going to make them better. Mm. It's almost like, yeah, patronizing is the first word that comes up. Uh, And people don't want to be told what to do. Yeah. It is. It's very, it's very patronizing. 
And I wonder in all of this, the unconscious bias, uh, whether that's playing a part because, you know, the world is changing, uh, going a bit lateral here. We've seen things like Pink step in and offer to pay fines for, for the Czech team, was it, or the Dutch volleyball team that were wearing yeah. longer active wear and should have been told to wear bikinis and how disgusting that was and saying you should do that. Disgraceful, but Pink standing up and, and taking a stand. Yeah. Um, and obviously the mental health area, we've seen all sorts of things with uh, female gymnasts and tennis players and, and people finally uh, just being authentic and laying their cards on the table. But I feel like and they're still taking a big risk. They're taking a big risk doing it. I think we've seen a, quite a few. I mean, this podcast could just be about what's been sort of happening at the Olympics. Yeah, that's um, amazing, isn't it? <laughs> lately, and sort of marketing around that. But you asked about unconscious bias, and I mean, we never don't have it. It's unconscious and it always exists and it's always there. Yeah. So our um, I've run unconscious bias trainings in the past and we don't have, you know, a quick fix just like this with advertising. It's something you need to become aware of. You need to really work on what might be unconscious for you to make it conscious. And only when we are making something conscious and kind of really aware of our biases or preferences, where we're making those little shortcuts in our brain can we work on overcoming them? And so that's a lot mm. of what this work in Shequel is doing is it's not trying to vilify and saying, oh, the advertising industry is just so terribly sexist. But we are all living with these, these tropes, these stereotypes, these unconscious biases that are there. We are working for change. Some are doing it better than others. And as you said, when you've been in the advertising industry through some of the, the most sexist of the times, like the 80s mm. and the 90s and the early aughts where it's sort of, shocking now to look at what what was put forth um, in advertising and that can be for so many of us that lived who were through that time and influenced by it it's sort of status quo it's almost what you expect advertising to be yeah, yeah and we get really surprised when we see a different ad for example I remember watching the television I think it was only a couple of years ago and the first time I ever saw a car ad where there was a woman driving the car and her male partner in the passenger seat. Mm. Children, no children, I don't remember. But she was the one driving the car because the traditional role is that the man would be driving the car mm. and the woman is in. And we, I feel like that was just how they always were. And it really stood to me. I was like, I, I can't remember. I can't remember the type of car. Yeah. But I remember being like, oh, my God, a woman was actually driving the car. And that was you know, probably two years ago. Mm. was the first time I at least took tuned in to notice that. So these kinds of, that's where you can make some changes and on those gender stereotypes are subtle. It's difficult though, isn't it? Because that probably opens the discussion on whether you need quota systems, which, you know, probably most of your listening would start balking at a little bit maybe as well, going, oh gosh, we don't want it to be too structured. But how do you overcome that? Do you need to show, say, the car ad, you know, a man driving once and then a woman driving the next time and, and have your campaign sort of run through different types of genders, maybe even different uh, attitudes and opinions as well. And it's not just gender in buying a car. Uh, I, th I think there's lots of strategies. I don't think you need to have quotas for how many people are in ads. Like that doesn't really make sense to me and I think that could limit a creative process, but that doesn't mean you can't have some little sort of audit system of checking. Like uh, have you heard of the Bechtel test? Yes, yeah, so that's sort of looking at an, a, a movie and saying, is there, you know, more than one female character? Does mm. she speak to the other female character? And do they speak to, is there conversation about something other than a man? 
very simple kind of thing. So we, there can be that kind of a, a sort of a check and balance tool. So yeah. this is our concept we've come up. Let's just let's just check in. You know, our all of if we're doing if we're you know we've got a huge account and it's a car company and we're doing you know multiple different versions of this ad. Are they all white and heteronormative? And you know, are we how much are we aligned to sort of old traditional gender stereotypes? You know, there's there's so many different things you could be focusing on, but mm-hmm. there is a way that I think you can just check and say, is this also going to connect with consumers? Is there a way to make this more interesting? Yeah, I think um, that's a really and good and push back against gender stereotypes and, and how women are represented. And, yeah, I think you were talking uh, when we started working with you as well about voiceovers. So not necessarily just the visual, but the audio yeah. as well. You know, there's, can't remember yeah, the majority stats, of voiceovers in our research, we show the majority of voiceovers are male. Now, so is it appropriate to have male voices or is that a, a divide that, that we need to conquer? I mean, I think that's a really good point to look at and go, why, are, why is it? Well, I think what, what you're doing there is you're, you're going to ask yourself, what is our voiceover? Is it the voice of authority? Is that what we want to convey with our voiceover? And do we feel that a male voice is a voice of authority? And do we want to rewrite that kind of narrative? Because reinforcing male authority is not something that, that you know, that can have harmful impacts. It's not that it's wrong for men to have authority, but to be the main and overarching voice of authority. That is our go-to. We can challenge those things. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a beautiful point. I think people listening and certainly conversations I have across the industry, there seems to be a lot of unconsciousness about this topic or this theme. Oh, um, I mean, most people don't really think about it or they think about it in a really attacked way or really concerned yeah. and defensive and I mean, that doesn't help the conversation no. you know, to attack. So that's why we're trying to work with industry and not about attacking all the individual ads or say, oh, this is so bad because, you know, there's lots of people that go into making an ad and, and that are in that process. And for people, you know, to improve or look at ways of how can people think to speak up when they see something and it's going, even if it's later aspects of production, be like, do we really want to shoot this? Or is this casting? Should we double think? Like, yeah. Should we go back and check in? Um, because that might be less expensive than having an ad pulled or panned uh, later on. So I think there, you know, we're interested in that process of how yeah. people can have a voice if it if it's getting training, you know, if it's going and just learning about these things. These are things that need to be unpacked. They're not easy. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and you're right. You've got to work hard at it. Let's explore this further. What are you doing? What what are you doing to help change behavior across the industry? So, we are trying to get our, one of our first parts, when I came on the project, it was all about taking our research and making it something that can actually be digested and used by the advertising industry. So we've done that through our, we have a website, um, shubal.com.au, and we break down the research in a non-researchy report. Sure, you can get the reports, we have those as well, but but it's sort of breaking down for people to be actually trying to get, um, digest it. Um, we have our blog where we are talking about things like advertising, breaking it down. We have a newsletter that goes out every month, um, which was really a response from the industry saying, we think this is really important, but we're struggling in identifying what ads might not be so good and what ads are mm-hmm. good. And so in our newsletter every month, we, you know, we celebrate ads that we think are working towards equal and we highlight some ads that still need to get real. And that need to sort of have another think about how they're how they're doing their representation. If it could be sexualization or stereotypes, or women are sort of 
non-existent or don't have speaking roles, just more of a prod of how do we think we can do better on this? And so, yeah, so we have, so we have the, the newsletter, we have our, we have our website, we have our blog, we have training. So we have a training on sexism and advertising, and we are about to launch a training on gender equality in the advertising workplace. So looking at that, so we're in the process of piloting that training. And who, and who are you training for? Is that for my, the business leaders or the agency leaders or for the for the creative teams or for anyone? Well, we, we've designed it um, for everyone in the advertising industry in the process because we think there's something to add. In fact, when we did uh, the pilot of our sex and advertising training, we actually piloted it. We asked our, because we mostly are connected to agency side, that they bring a brand, like bring a buddy to the mm-hmm. training so they can start having those conversations about when is this happening from the marketing on the brand side um, to the strategists within the agencies and the creatives and, and, and bringing in that dialogue and looking at points of connection. So we've piloted it with, uh, on, on both sides. Um, and uh, we, I hope that that's a continuing to be a, a good model, but people can have the training individually or in-house. Yeah, look, the part of the work we, we are enjoying doing with you is, is helping get this into the industry. It's such an important uh, area to talk about. Um, but again, you can talk and talk and talk versus actually getting action. And I think you're at the point now of saying, let's get this action. Let's get uh, the, the agency leaders. Now that's critical. Uh, some marketing leaders because they're paying for the ads. And then the creative uh, leaders, and I'm using creative in the broader sense. That could be production. That could be digital. That could be tech. That could be the creative directors yeah. per se or the creative teams. Um, but the creative you know, involvement in the industry um, to lean forward into this and and really start to either get involved in the training or get involved in dialogue. Um, you know, tell you, but t- tell everyone else that it takes a movement of people to start to yeah uh, point at people, but also bring, bring them along. Um, that's uh, yeah. Thank you. It it does take. And we have the supporters, the people who are going to you know drive this like yourself, and we have some great champions within field who say, this is really important, let's get this engaged. But we also want to be really approachable and engaged with people who are thinking, okay, I want to explore this, I want to learn more. Um, I'm not feeling rah-rah, gung-ho, but you know, I think that my personal experience in any kind of particular creative process, or even a strategy, I love problem-solving mm-hmm. strategy, is that barriers can provide an opportunity. And versus thinking, oh, we're not allowed to do this, or we can't do this, we can't do that, because we don't have the same hard work. So how can we make it better? Yeah. What's another way to think about this? What's another way to strategize this? What, what's going to resonate with our consumers, with our audience out there? And we see that the, the brands that are really taking this on are having a huge amount of success. Yeah, we've seen, we have seen some great advertising come out. We've you know, seen some absolutely. Internationally and locally. Is there anything internationally that you're seeing that you're going, wow, that's a sort of shining light example? Oh, there's a, uh, I feel like uh, so many that come out are international. Sometimes you have, because these brands are so big, you have to think, oh, was that ad, was that ad for Gillette, an Australian mm-hmm. ad, or was it an American ad, or was it a UK ad? There was definitely some really interesting ads around, it was a lubrication brand. Um, in the UK that was trying to make things that are taboo around sex less so and just sort of put it out there and sort of a really fun and really inclusive way for lots of people with from lots of different 
because um, it was all in their homes, I think, nice. backgrounds and body types and um, and representation. It was and it was a fun ad to watch. I think this is a topic around what is sexist, you know, blatantly sexist, and some products can lead towards that, whether that's cars, and that's breaking down a bit like you talked about earlier, but beauty yeah. and beauty products and the expectation, um, fashion in some areas, and maybe lingerie and underwear and, and other verticals. Do you think it's certain categories that are the issue or do you think it's well, the mindset? They have, they have a challenge. You know, they have a particular challenge. I think we have different kinds of challenges. So cars, I would say that I, to me, that's an easier category that you can break down sort of gender stereotypes and associations, you know, that trucks are for men or things like that. You know, we, we can, that's probably a relatively easier place you can get creative. And then the, um, the brands and the industries that really are sort of built up on making particularly women um, more perfect, more beautiful, thinner, fitter, all those kinds of things, they, they have a particular kind of challenge because their product themselves, like the product and the whole way it's been marketed may lead to a particular way of viewing that it's, it's supposed to make women better, what we're talking about. You know, that it can it very much either leads to the male gaze or leads into sort of a body shaming um, for women or that they have to get some level of perfection. And we see, we have research around how that impacts mental health. And how that impacts body dissatisfaction, you know, eating disorders, we have lots of things. So there's that different level of baggage. Now, it doesn't mean that they can't push through that and think creatively on how it is. But there, there is a way. And sometimes it might be imagining how would you how would you do marketing if this was a product for men? Yeah, that's a really good point. You know, that maybe you can do that differently. We've seen a great one. I think might have been Dove had a shampoo ad for men where we see uh, a baby sort of toddler. On, on a on a father's shoulders and he's pulling at the the baby's pulling at the dad's hair and the tagline was about this making you know your hair stronger for like what mm-hmm. life gives you and it has this beautiful image of a father and hair being pulled but at the same time they would be running ads for women that are talking about their hair being shinier and glossier and, and you know more brilliant that way so yeah I think that's one way sort of you know how would you how might you market this if it was for a man yeah, that sounds to me also getting far more real and authentic in advertising, yeah. which we well, like, you know, came from a very maybe stylized or so perfect world that is breaking down, but it's almost get to the, the imperfection of life. It doesn't need to look that glossy. It doesn't matter so much about the appearance and the body shape or type. Um, and almost to a degree, whether it is a man or a woman, show both, show one, but do it in a way that's obviously not patronising is really bringing out the the need for the product in my life as opposed to that product talking to me or at me and putting me down. Yeah. I think we can just we can sort of just step back and ask those kinds of questions. I think they're really good, really good tips. I wonder also towards the end here, people who are working in a culture, because it really is this is about a cultural shift in the advertising industry. If you're working in a in a culture that's challenging, I know it's not for you to give advice on this, but what, what are your thoughts around how could people get in contact maybe with Sheikwil or, or how can people get in contact with involved in the movement? Well, for, for getting involved with us, we have we have a pledge to go to our website, um, take the pledge around. It, it has suggested actions in the pledge of what you can do to make things more equal. 
in advertising in your workplace. There's the, you know, if you feel like you need the support on understanding what these different issues are, what their impact are, and how to make sort of change. Again, it's getting in the website, getting involved that way, following us on Instagram and on LinkedIn. Um, our newsletter, as I said, shares these stories. When it comes to workplace culture, we are working in that area and we have some initiatives coming out hopefully in this next year that are focusing particularly on, on the advertising workplace and how to make change within that and, and learning more about it. It's not an area that's actually been heavily studied. There's a lot that isn't known, not specifically around the advertising workplace. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, if I can get into that, the, the work we've done with you, Anton, is to look at sort of the different types of like the size of agencies that are out there. And we know that the Workplace Gender Equality Agency under um, the Workplace Gender Equality Act here um, in Australia, you have to report your your stats, your demographics, things like that around around gender breakdown, policies, things like that. But only if you have a staff of over 100. So we have data around advertising agencies for the really big agencies if you have over 100 staff. But most agencies are well under 100. And we don't have information, but that's just the data stats. But there's also getting the information on what's it like to be within that culture. We get a lot of anecdotal information and there are lots of initiatives that are trying to do work in the space. There's the Women with Agency, Peggy's Lifts, Viva Women, BNT has the Women in Media Awards. There's also there's conferences that are around inclusion and diversity. You know, they might approach things broader than gender equality, which is which is great. You know, we celebrate all of those things. Gender equality is part of it. So there's a, actually a lot happening in the industry. There's uh, Fuck the Cupcakes, which is calling out sexism and misogyny um, in the workplace. And that started within the advertising industry. So there's, a, there's quite a bit happening in there. And we are part of that and, and engaging in that space. So for people to speak out, if you are... If anyone is dealing with things that are difficult, if they are facing violence or sexual harassment, there's 1-800-RESPECT. Um, if they have an employee assistance program to speak to them, depending on what state you're in. If you're in Victoria, there's Victorian Equal Opportunity for Human Rights Commission. You can make a complaint if people are going to. We don't have a perfect system for yeah. dealing with um, issues within the workplace. And not everything is the high end, we're talking sexual assault. We're talking about like also much smaller things, easy commas that are made, things that people aren't aware of, um, but are said. And we need to be able to talk about it. We need to make it a space where we can say, hey, you know, when you said that thing, that wasn't particularly great or it made me feel this way. And being able to build that kind of a culture is healthy for everything. To be able to talk about mental health or racism, these things exist. Yeah. You have to reckon with them and not um, get defensive every time they're brought up. Yeah, spot on. And I can't add more to that. I think anybody listening... Uh, whether male or female, can get on board with this. It's too important. Um, as you say, there's a bit imperfect. There's, there's not maybe one direction to go, but let's all rally together. Let's make this a wave that's impossible not to get on. Um, we're certainly behind it and, and thoroughly believe in it and we'll make change. So we look forward to seeing the uh, the next stages. Thanks. We just want to exactly encourage people that there is, you may feel that there's nothing or you're not the leader in your organisation. There may be something that you can do. Everybody... Yeah and do something. It might be in your creative. It might be in your strategy. It might be in questions. It might be discussions that you have in your workplace. But yes, uh, engage with us. Come to us. Check us out on, on social media. Uh, send us an email. Come to the website. And we want to keep this conversation going. 
Awesome. Lyndon, really appreciate your time today. I know you're busy, um, but I'd love to check in again maybe in, in three to six months as well and just see how, how things are starting to move in the industry. Yeah, I'd look forward to that. Thanks, Anton. Appreciate it. Thanks for your time. I've got one more question before we go. Okay. If you could pick one man or woman in the industry to sit down and have a really good talk eye to eye, who would you choose? Thank you.